Um, all right. Hi, everybody. It's Kira from KiraWilliamsFitness.com. And today we are talking with the lovely Liz Pissarin. Um, Liz um, is a therapist. She's a life coach, and she's a speaker who helps people around the world let go of what they should do and embrace what they feel connected to, ultimately thriving in their purpose. She helps individuals walk away from their unfilled jobs and lifestyles and step into their dream careers and cultivate the life that they've always desired. She has over five years of counseling experience, and Liz utilizes her unique skill set to guide people to tap into their deep soul so they can shatter the box of limiting beliefs and embrace their inner magic. Liz has a bachelor's in psychology, a master's in counseling psychology, and is a trained life coach with the Beautiful You Life Coaching Academy. And we are so excited to have Liz on today. Liz, why don't you say hi to everybody and introduce yourself and tell us more a little bit more about you. Hi, everyone. Yes, my name is Liz. That was a lovely intro. Thanks, Kira. Um, well, I'm, I'm based in California, um, which is kind of crazy. I'm in Northern California in the mountains, and I, it's a little wild if you're listening. There's lots of fires, but we are safe and we are okay. Um, but I love traveling. I love helping people really tap into their magic of who they are and finding their strengths and their gifts so that they can, you know, ultimately live the life that they've dreamed they could and not just live in fear and, and live in the mundane. So, yeah, it's kind of me. Well, we are so lucky to have you on because we are going to dive deep today into mental health and how mental health and physical health really go hand in hand. So right off the bat, let's just find, let's just find out from you. In what ways do you feel like mental health and physical health go hand in hand? Oh, my gosh. Well, it's immediate, and you're, you can't take your head off at night. Um, your head is attached to your body, and your body is attached to your head. So uh, the research all around has been showing that basically our bodies are so ingrained with how our emotions react. So depending on if you're feeling anxious feelings or you are feeling excited, your body has a physical response, chemicals are released, um, and all of that goes with stress and depression and any kind of emotion. So our bodies are affected physically by our mental health with just the response. But then there's also like the greater issue of if you're suffering from depression and you have um, low energy, the way to actually heal yourself, one of the first tips if somebody suffers from depression, is to actually exercise. Because exercise and moving your body moves those chemicals out, releases endorphins, and actually helps lift your mood and lighten your depressive state. So mental health and physical health are essential for one another. You need both of them in a really strong and healthy state so that you can be um, holistically well all around. So as a trainer, I've worked with a lot of women who want to change their physique, but they ultimately hit a wall because they struggle with their mindset. They think they want to change because their pants are too tight or they feel embarrassed to wear a swimsuit at the beach with their family. So why do you think that these roadblocks happen and what can people do about them? Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> Yeah, as you say this, I'm thinking this is huge. Like this is what I'm sure you as a trainer get all the time. People come because they're feeling embarrassed about the swimsuit or their clothes are too tight or they don't like the way they look in a picture. 
Um, and that motivation is there in the beginning. The bikini is the motivating factor or that picture when they were 20 is like, oh, I want to get there. So that's the motivation. But when we have that more shallow surface level motivation, it doesn't last very long. So we get that, you know, I like to say like stage one, it's that excitement. Um, it's okay, like let's clean out the food closet in the pantry, like we're doing this, we're 110% in. But the roadblock happens around week two or so. Sometimes people can go longer, but what happens is it's no longer that fun. The challenge starts to kick in where the workouts are hard, you're still eating that really clean food, and you're having to go to a birthday party and you want the chocolate cake or the the picture of you when you were 20 in a bikini isn't as motivating anymore because it's a shallow motivation. When the roadblock happens, oftentimes people don't want to sit in that discomfort and lean into it and pursue it even longer. Instead, what do we want to do? We want to go back and just say, oh, forget it. Like, I might as well just eat the chocolate cake. I'm at the party. Oh, you know, and then they kind of have this banter back and forth in their head, yada, yada, yada. And then, you know, we completely quit. So, the reason it happens is it's just not a strong enough emotion. But the way to change it is understanding having a deeper why. Why do you really want to change your body? It can't just be um, a shallow reason of, oh, I just want to fit into a swimsuit, because the majority of folks aren't going to be motivated long term by that. It has to have a greater will, a greater power. Like, I want to be able to run with my kids on the beach. I can't do that right now. Because that builds memory, that builds connection, that builds confidence. Those are the kinds of deeper rooted emotions you want to have for a reason why that you want to do something. Because the days are going to get tough, the workouts are going to be tough, and you need to have um, motivation that is deeper within you. Um, hopefully that makes sense and that's a, a decent response. <laughs> yeah, but it's a big one. It's kind of like, you know, you think of... Um, Imagine yourself, you know, I always imagine myself in traditional therapy, if like somebody just going, well, I want to do this. And they go, why? And then I'm like, well, because I would be able to, you know, do that. And they're like, well, but why is that important? So it's like digging deeper, like mm -hmm. the deeper whys. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely something that I think people don't give themselves the space to really think of why they want to look differently or why they want to do, uh, you know, a workout challenge. Yeah. Well, one of the other big roadblocks that I witness people doing is self-sabotage. Um, why do you think that people continue to maintain habits that they know aren't good for them? And then how can they overcome that? Oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> I'm guilty. We're all guilty of this because we're human. Um, like I said before, any time that there is discomfort, the human nature response is to go the opposite direction. Go back to comfort. That's safety. That's what you're familiar with. That's what you know. So go back to that. Um, but in this situation, you know, you don't you want to be pursuing <laughs> the discomfort. You don't want to go back to those habits. Ultimately, I think the way to overcome um, that self-sabotage is to really understand at a greater level um, why you're doing the behavior in the first place. So is it that comfort? You know, like say it's getting a Diet Coke. Okay, what makes, what do you feel when you drink that Diet Coke? Is it refreshing? Is it relaxing? How does it make you feel in the moment? Maybe you have a memory associated with it or, 
you know, a, a connection. Um, so we want to get to the root of what that particular behavior gets you. What are you getting out of it? And then what are you losing to? So, okay, you get that relaxed feeling, but you might lose, you know, the ability to get off the caffeine and you really don't like the way caffeine actually affects your heart rate or something. So understanding what do you get and what do you lose for the habit that you're trying to break and the self-sabotage that's occurring. Um, I know that it's slow with <laughs> with this. Self-sabotage happens. The important thing is that you don't derail entirely, which I know you're so familiar with when people are like, oh, my gosh, I had one bite of cookie and then I ended up binging all night. So the biggest thing is to say, how do you rein it in? And how are you able to be aware of it and then say, okay, I had that Diet Coke. It, I gained just that relaxation. Now I'm going to go back and hit the gym and just divert your energy. Pay attention to it. Make yourself aware. Um, it's not the easiest thing in the world. It takes a lot of practice. But that judgment is the worst thing for you. So if you're able to just acknowledge it, become aware of it, and then divert and move on, that will help you with the self-sabotage a lot. Awareness. Yeah, that word right there. I actually want to bring you back on just so we can talk. We can spend a half an hour talking about awareness, <laughs> please. Yes. And yeah, and how people can become more aware and things that we can actually do to because you think awareness and it's such a vague term. It's but it's so much. It's so much of what I what I do with my clients. And I'm sure it's so much of what you do with your clients too. just that awareness. It, it all comes down to that. And so, yeah, I want to bring you back on so we can we can dive deep into that. Let's do it. Yes. But if you if generally if you could become more aware, that'll help you. <laughs> yes. Um. Well, let's also talk a little bit about poor coping mechanisms. Um, we all have them and, um, they happen when we have stress, when we're faced with adverse adversity, um, (laughs) and they can often show up physically. So for example, somebody might binge eat because they're bored or somebody might starve themselves or over control food because they're stressed out. Um, and you know, physically that can lead to fat gain, you know, for binging or the inability to work out really hard enough, you know, to gain muscle and see the visible, visible, you know, appearance goals that we want to attain because, you know, if you're not eating, then you're not going to have energy. Um, so what are some healthy coping mechanisms that people can try? Mm, yeah, such a good question. So the one thing I want to make really clear is, um, and this is kind of big, but if you change a coping mechanism that's negative with another coping mechanism that could be quote-unquote positive, but don't change the underlying reason of why you're using the coping mechanism, that positive coping mechanism will become negative. Hopefully mm. that made sense. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, if you're binging your food or you're, or you're obsessively tracking your calories and macros to, like you're freaking out if you're one number off, and then you say, okay, I'm not, I'm going to do intuitive eating, but then I'm going to meditate every time I eat. And then I'm meditating obsessively. Meditation's fantastic. <laughs> but if you're sitting at a restaurant and you're, you're not able to function well, or it's changing and becoming an obsessive behavior, you're not getting to the root. So any coping mechanism that I give you and I share you, share with you, it's important to know that 
just because it's quote unquote healthy doesn't mean that it's actually good if you're not getting to the root of the issue. Um, so a great coping mechanism for when we're feeling stressed is actually time blocking. So time blocking is a simple concept of looking at your calendar. If I use Google Calendar, I swear to God, I'm like glued to that thing. Um, but <laughs> Google Calendar is great for seeing your time hour by hour. I have my own business and I have a million other projects going on. So the first thing I do every week is I set chunks of time for 30 minutes every day that's dedicated to me and only me. It's the first thing I schedule before anything else. I'm putting myself first. It's a non-negotiable and that time um, nobody bothers me. <laughs> and it's up to me what I want to do. So that really helps decrease your stress because you're able to really do what you want to do, and it's something to look forward to every day. Now, I set 30 minutes aside every day for myself, but for the working mom and the busy person, start with 10 minutes, twice a week. You know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, and that's another big issue, is people have this all or nothing mentality. Um, we'll talk about that in a second, but just time block a little bit of time to lower your stress. Maybe it's just going around the block by yourself. Um, taking 10 minutes to do one of those really cool apps like the Calm app or Insight, and you can, um, Insight Timer, I think is what it's called, and you can do a 10-minute meditation. Just slow your heart rate down. Redirect your mind. If you're stressed and you're sitting in front of the computer, get up, shake out just the stress and tension, and just stop looking at a screen. So changing your environment is going to be super helpful. Um, getting outside of the place that kind of gets you in the rut. So I try and get out of my house. I know <laughs> with quarantine, it was so hard and the kitchen was right there and the cabinets were right there. But what I really tried to do is um, ask myself like, okay, why am I choosing this coping strategy? Is it actually helping me feel better? How am I feeling when I do it? And if it's good or bad, respond accordingly. Okay, I feel really good. It's relaxing. That's great. Okay, I'm going to set the timer and then get back to my day. If it's bad, okay, this isn't working for me. I totally ate a ton of food. Now my stomach hurts. Okay, what should we do differently? How can I change that next time? And set a timer for yourself. Get up, move, whatever. So it's that, like I said, awareness is essential. Start just tracking this stuff. Start writing things down or voice memoing yourself. Become aware of your own behavior because so many of us kind of just live on autopilot. Um, I know that was really big on coping mechanisms, but I feel like it's a problem that America has is we cope poorly. And, um, and the first thing is to just kind of pay attention to it. And another coping strategy would be journaling starting to write down really how you're feeling and and letting it all hang out to yourself. <laughs> so and hope that again, helps. That comes right back to the same place that we just were, which is awareness. So Yep. Yep, we, we need a whole whole show, whole show on awareness. <laughs> um so let's move forward just a little bit and let's really talk about um people's relationships with food and their body. Those are really, really big things that come up a lot. Um, yeah. What are a few practices um, or actionable steps maybe that can help somebody um, build a healthy relationship with food? Gosh, this is huge. I struggled with this. Um, I struggled with unhealthy, distorted eating as a teenager, um, all through my life, a lot of this was taught at a young, young age. 
Um, I remember going to like Weight Watchers when I was 11. I should not have been there. I wasn't even the tad bit overweight, but here I was. So I think my story is actually kind of similar to a lot of people is they have some kind of distorted relationship with food and their body. Um, the first thing is I really recommend hiring professionals to educate you. I don't think we were actually formally educated on what healthy food and a healthy relationship with food looks like. So if you have the funds, I would really encourage hiring a trained professional. If you don't, really take the time to research high-quality trained professionals online. So much is available to us online these days. You can find some free workshops. And, I, and I'm going to say this with, like, big, bold letters. That doesn't mean following the cute girl on Instagram who now is, like, a fitness model. Not her. <laughs> like, find somebody who's a trained professional who went to school, who studied nutrition, um, and, and maybe listen in and just educate yourself with an open mind. That's a really helpful tip. That helped me a lot even understand, like, nutrition as a science and how my body needs this fuel. It's not just about like what I think, oh, if I eat this cake, I'm fat. It's like, okay, if I eat this cake, this is what it's doing to my body versus if I eat something else. Um, and then another thing is connecting to your body as you eat. So slowing it down, slowing down the time you eat, stop running and eating. I'm famous for this, so I'm giving the worst advice, <laughs> but I I'm a busy woman, and so I will grab something and go. I'm intentionally doing this right now where I stop and set time aside to eat. I think that's something that Europeans have figured out that we have not. Um, meals are meant for community. Meals are um, a time to really understand yourself and feel and connect. And it's not just like, okay, fuel, go. Um, because oftentimes we end up grabbing junk anyways. So if we're eating whole, nutritious foods and we slow down, we chew slower, we eat slower, um, our whole body is going to respond a lot differently, and then we're going to respond differently. So if there's a way to slow down your life, <laughs> that is definitely a first thing to do. And then the other thing would be paying attention to how you actually feel after you're done eating. So 20 minutes after you eat, what is... What's going on in your stomach? Do you, are your pants about to bust open? Um, what food did you just eat? So again, this is all coming back to awareness, um, becoming really aware and intuitive to your food and the effects it's having on your body because then you're, you're noticing the nourishment. Also, how are you sleeping? Because food can affect your sleep. And do you have brain fog? Um, our headaches. I get really bad headaches. Um, if I eat a lot of gluten, it's just like a weird thing I ended up discovering. Um, and so when I avoid it a little bit more, I don't have that brain fog and headache, and it makes a total difference in my day. So as far as the food relationship, I think starting from just a scientific, really basic standpoint is going to be super helpful in building um, a better relationship. Now, if you have a really distorted relationship because of the way you were taught, Honestly, my best advice is hire a therapist or a coach because <laughs> you need the professional help to really work through the distorted beliefs around food and your body. I, I agree, and I will second that, you know, going back to what you were saying in regard to, you know, the biochemical um, con 
context of food, you know, that was the biggest thing that helped me, you know, after I did a few bikini competitions, you know, I thought bananas were terrible. And then, you know, so actually just like learning the chemistry of what is in a food, it makes me view certain things that I thought were healthy. I look at them now and I'm like, no, that's not actually food. And then I look at a thing like a banana, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, that's not bad for me at all. You know, that was just something that I thought was bad for me because it was off limits during to get to achieve that specific goal that I had, which there's nothing inherently wrong with that. You know, if you need to eliminate one specific thing to get to a goal, okay, cool, because that's a short-term thing. And But then, you know, you kind of have to go in and kind of retrain your brain to say, okay, that's not actually bad. And for me, it was definitely learning the chemistry and the science behind the food. That was super helpful for me. Yeah, it's help- it was helpful for me, too. And then what are a few things that I know this one might, this one's a big one, but what are some things that people can do um, to help them build a healthier relationship with their own body? Oh, this is huge. I think this is my entire job. <laughs> um, I help people with this every day, all day, and I'm working on this with myself. Um, we're always a work in progress. I think first and foremost, just quick tips to give you is delete the people that make you feel bad. Like just get rid of them <laughs> on Instagram or Facebook. You know, just because there's somebody that might be influential even in your life, maybe there's somebody you know. If you look on that Instagram feed and you feel bad about yourself comparing, it's not worth it. Like we are all such beautiful beings with so much uniqueness to us and greatness within us. Like it's not worth trying to compare. You weren't here to be compared to. So especially with your body, just unfollow. Secondly, if you are, I I don't believe, I used to be obsessed with scales, weighing myself. I felt like my entire definition of existence was based on my body against gravity and the scale. And if you can, get rid of it, hide it in your closet. Go off of, you know, if you're worried about your clothes won't fit, then pay attention to when your clothes get tight or when they don't. Um, And then another thing is get get aware with, um, I can't talk, sorry. Um, Become more aware of self-love statements. So the mind is awesome in the sense that it will respond really well depending on how you talk to it. So if you start creating positive pathways and looking at the world a little bit more positively, saying positive statements, guess what? It's going to be more positive by nature. It's going to start picking up more positive things. You can genuinely change the way you look at the world just by what you say in your own head. And the same thing goes for the opposite. If you start thinking negatively and you're constantly comparing yourself, comparing others, thinking the world's ending and really negative, then it's going to be really easy to be negative, and that's just going to be a natural course. So being really intentional with how you speak to yourself, what kind of self-positive, loving statements, um, and it's unspoken. These are things you say to yourself just in your head when you walk past a mirror. So if you can slow down walking past the mirror and find one thing that's looking good, dang, my hair is okay today, and that is good, and walk away. (laughs) Just find one positive thing at a time. The biggest thing when you're trying to create change is change doesn't happen overnight, and people really want to 
make things happen fast because we live in 2020 and it's the fastest, quickest 5G society. We want everything now. If not now, it should have been here yesterday. So if you can actually slow yourself down and remind yourself that change takes time, you're more likely to actually stick to that positive statement, commit to the discomfort a little longer, start loving yourself a little bit more, and then over time, the positive pathways are really going to stick. Those positive chemicals are going to be floating in the brain, and you're going to be feeling a lot happier and more confident. Well, very well said, especially <laughs> very for like those are quick, actionable items. That's awesome. That is exactly what we were looking for today, and we'll go deeper into that in another call sometime. So definitely. Uh, so as we kind of wrap up, um, I do have one more big question for you. Um, you know, I, like I said, like I do the physical side and you're on the mental health side of coaching. And I think that those two things really go hand in hand. Um, so how do you feel like your services as a therapist, as a life coach, could potentially benefit someone doing a health program like what I offer? Personal training, well, whatever. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. It's like it's the dream team, really, because as soon as you hit, you know, okay, phase one, you're excited. You're changing all your food and your meal planning and all of that. You're starting the workouts. The endorphins are still going. And then phase two is when you get that block, right? That's where I would be coming in and supporting you and asking those why questions, asking you to look deeper forcing you to slow down a little bit and really coming alongside you so that you can get through that difficulty um, with support and a little bit quicker and you can get to the root faster so that you understand the reasoning behind the behaviors and the challenges. You can commit to something like a workout program or the training longer. Yeah. So, and I mean, I, I can picture it immensely because, you know, when I work with, when I work with clients, you know, some certain things will come up and I'm just like, this is not in my realm. Um, and so I, for those of you guys listening, I've actually referred people to Liz and I've had great feedback about her. So while we wrap up, why don't you tell people where uh, they can find you? Yeah, so you can find me on my website at LizPasarin.com, or you can follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Same deal, just my name, Liz Pasarin. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes so you know how to spell it. Um, but yeah, reach out. I'm always open to talk and just ask questions, conversations, and I offer 30-minute free consultations so we can have a discovery call for free for 30 minutes, and you can just see if coaching might be a fit for you and or therapy. <laughs> The really cool thing is that everything is going online right now um, faster than ever before. And um, so for those of you guys who live, you know, in more remote areas and might not have somebody you trust that's nearby um, or you really listen, you know, you really feel like listening to this, like you really like Liz and you want to work with her, you can do that online. Yes, you can. So I only offer therapy in person. Um, well, in California, because I'm licensed in California. Um, but I offer coaching for anybody anywhere in the country. So there you go. Um, you guys definitely need to reach out to Liz um, and work with her if, 
And Liz, I really appreciate you being on. Oh, thank you. I've had an awesome conversation, and I know we're going to need to continue this. <laughs> it's been fantastic. So I look forward to having you guys having you on, and I know um, those of you guys listening, be on the lookout um, for the next interview with Liz. So um, thanks you guys. Thanks to all of you guys for listening, and thank you so much, Liz, for being on. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Kira. It was awesome. All right. Have a great evening, and thank you guys for listening. Have a good night.